You are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 114, The Present of the Past. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast, the show whose dogs are barking. My name is Jim Purcell. I'm Craig Olson. I'm Raven Perez. And we welcome you again to another episode of the Savage Fincast, the internet's only podcast dedicated to uh, Savage Dragon, Eric Larson, Ant, etc., etc. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Doing good, fella. Wasn't talking Not to too you, shabby. I was talking to the audience. Oh, <laughs> How's the audience Are you expecting them to respond? In my mind. <laughs> audience in my hey, mind. Millions of people shouting back. Yeah, it's a bit of a pain, really. We should keep it down. But seriously, though, how are you guys? We don't get together as often as we should. We're working on that. It's the, old, it's the pandemic. Yeah, I feel like we're getting over that hump now, and hopefully things will start. But then we've got things to discuss, like uh, yeah, unfortunately, a lack of dragons. The situation <laughs> yeah. is going to be continue to be tenuous. Uh, yeah, yeah. Shall I just jump right into that? Yeah, might as <laughs> let's well. take it away with a little bit of news, which is kind of what the fellas are alluding to. Eric broke many hearts, thousands of hearts, S- some minds. By announcing that Savage Dragon is delayed until June. Just in time for my birthday. Just oh, in wait. time for weddings. Um, yeah. Presumably Savage that Dragon's... the specific issues are the ones... I, actually, I heard they were being resolicited. So, in the issues in Savage question... Savage Dragon's uh, delayed till June. And the reason why is he said that he wanted to just uh, take a moment, you know, catch his breath, get caught up, you know, just get back on track on top of things, work ahead a little. Uh, of course, we know, we discussed that he was dealing with his, uh, the mother of all writer's block. A writer's block he'd never experienced in 30 years. It finally caught up with his creative ass and put him on his back. Well... Cool. He's over it. He's also giving himself a few months to just get a little bit of a foundation before he takes off again. Maybe a little writer's block insurance. So good for him. Fucking sucks for us. But uh, I don't know, fellas. What, how you feeling about this this dry spell? Well, it seems like well, ant, we have ant, ant, right? ant issues are going to continue to come out. And there's that. Ant doesn't count. And then there's uh, oh. certain fanzines. In the near future. Also doesn't count. Well, Raven, I guess there's just no pleasing you. It Speaking gives of, us a chance to do our retros. Yeah. Speaking of pleasing yourself. 
there was a uh, we won't name names uh, if you know you know but there was a, a certain uh movement comics movement uh gatekeepers you might say that swore not to masturbate until the release of the release comic that their non-leader was going to release i'm just saying who among you in the savage fandom is willing to take that same commitment absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> no no nut no not never mind no nut november it'll be a sad sack summer mm. <laughs> no raven i can't get on board with this one i know i, I, I don't a blame you. schedule you know, for guys like you and me, it's a completely different challenge than for poor old Craig. Like, Craig would have to deny, you know, his significant other of love. He'd have to be like, I can't, honey. Not until Savage Dragon 262. <laughs> <laughs> be like waiting for your wedding night all over again. Yes. It's I'm a sure, nightmare. I'm sure that would be sound reasonable to her. She'd put that right in the divorce papers. Savage Dragon two sixty two uh, abstinence, or she may just welcome the break. Oh, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk uh, while we're talking about um, what's gonna fill the void <laughs> as a dragon is gone. Um, so we still have solicitations up. Uh, I don't know if we talked much about three. I want to hit up uh, Ant number three. Um, yeah, we didn't that really talk about it. Okay, so that should be out almost uh, either, I think, next week, right? We're yes. recording uh, Ace from today's March 3rd for us. Um, I'm not sure when this will come out, but Ant might be out by then. But anyway... Yeah. Ant 3, um, as you've seen in the back of Ant 2, is going to have Spawn in it. And uh, basically it sounds like it's a retelling of Spawn 265, which if you remember back in the day, uh, Eric um, wrote and and drew. And that featured Ant uh, and Spawn and Mm -hmm. uh, Malcolm Dragon appeared. Uh, It was kind of a little adventure they had that went from spawn 265 to 266 mm-hmm. and then uh and also savage dragon 216 so it sounds like the next two issues of ant which is ant three and four are gonna kind of focus on ants version of that adventure so i can imagine there'll probably be some repurposed pages and as a matter of fact ant three's cover is repurposed from 265 and it's the same, except for Ant is in a different pose, but Spawn and the, the villain, I forget his name's like Spider King or something. I don't remember. I think you're right. Um, they're the same, except for on the Spawn one, McFarlane did the inks, and on this new Ant cover, it's just uh, Larson's um, inks. But yes, uh, Ant is in a totally different pose on that. Yeah, so, it's basically the non-noodled version, right? Like no McFarlane. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, Eric doing, you know, his, I guess, color. I don't know if it was he went straight to inks on that spawn or how that is, you know, but it's definitely no McFarlane involvement on the ant cover. Yeah, and honestly, I think, you know, 
it's a good idea probably to have someone like a spawn on issue three just to kind of boost that interest and maybe pull some people in that might normally not have grabbed it. Um, Agreed. And then uh, Ant 4. I have heard that Spawn guy is pretty popular. <laughs> he has had an amazing resurgence, though, if you ask me, in the past year with all these comics coming out. And I'm just kind of amazed at the interest in it. Well, when you uh, lie and say you broke a record you didn't break, <laughs> but it's going to grab it's headlines. <laughs> I mean. You goddamn cheater liar. He's got a lot of Spawn books out there now, and, and they're all selling. Look, to somebody. I don't want to cast any aspersions, but I have the inside scoop. McFarlane made a monkey's paw wish for incredible comic success. The flip side of that was that he has to sound the way he does for the rest of his life. <laughs> and so that's what it was. I will take that. Yeah. And so there you go. So uh, just getting to Ant 4, um, the solicitation's out. Uh, Right now, uh, the Image website has it arriving May 4th. It's called Enter the Dragon. It's a Savage Dragon Ant crossover from a whole different perspective. Ant travels to Chicago to recruit recruit Malcolm Dragon for an upcoming battle against the forces of evil. Ant comes with our highest possible recommendation. So, again, I believe that's probably uh, kind of a retake on Savage Dragon 216. Absolutely. That's right. We're going to get to see the Eternal One get rocks fall on his head again. (laughs) (laughs) It covers got um, kind of Dragon with the ant kind of leaping off his shoulder, which I believe we will see in Ant 2, which we talk about in the back where he's got that sketchbook. I think it was either Ant 1 or 2, and you can kind of see that, Mm -hmm. the the makings of that cover there. Yeah, it's fun Uh, fun to note the color discrepancies. uh, Yes, go ahead. Talk about that. uh, Just real brief. I mean, this is still your news item, but like the uh, number four, if you look on the image website, dear listener, you'll see the approach that Eric initially took to the coloring on ant number four uh, is different than where he landed. He has sort of a soft gradient on the image website. And then, of course, if you follow Eric on Facebook or Twitter, you can just, you know, find the current, the final iteration of ant number four. And he goes for a harsh spotlight approach, which, hey, fellas, Am I alone in thinking that this is an upgrade? I agree. No, it's, it's good. Up. It's yeah. glow up. Also, I noticed that he added the Enter the Dragon banner. That wasn't on the previous. Nice. Gotcha. I do like text um, covers. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it seems like an ongoing theme because we have also got the cover, no solicitation description yet, but the cover of Ant 5, which has the title on the cover, uh, saying the end, but Eric on Facebook assured readers that it isn't the end of the series, it's just the title of the story. The cover looks like it's some kind of earthquake with you know the viewpoint of looking up from the ground as it's splitting and almost like ant trying to hold the sides together or standing on each side of the split of the earthquake. It's a pretty cool looking visual. Um, and ba- you can based find on, it on Eric's Facebook. 
based on the previous two covers, my thinking here is the the end here is the the end of the recap. Uh, um, I think you're right. I think this and will probably f- make for a trade paperback conclusion, and then the next one will be all Eric. Well, on top of that, um, it's an interesting visual given what we know, since we actually have a glimpse into the future, since we know these crossovers. And it's funny you should mention the Chosen One. Was that his name, the Chosen One? I think yeah. it's either the Eternal One or the Chosen the One. Eternal one. I, I the Eternal One. Shea O'Connor was the but uh, the Eternal One or the Chosen One, the guy who gets crushed by rocks. You know, that was kind of the end of the uh, Ant crossovers. Just kind of there was that cave-in, and then you really didn't quite know what Ant's fate was. And so it's interesting to see this cover five with her, you know, escaping a, a rock slide or pulling someone out of a rock slide. Indeed. You know, so it's kind of, it's interesting. I think it creates interest even... For people who have sort of read those past issues, you can sort of look at this and be like, oh, shit. Hmm. I wonder what's going on here. Now, Raven, you're an expert on this. Okay. Is her her right boob a little too big? On the cover (laughs) to issue five, she is rendered as right heavy. However, asymmetrical breasts are very common. I see. Very common. I made a joke once to a gal in college, a friend of mine, and I said, what's going on, Left Heavy? And she said, how'd you know? And I was like, oh, that was a joke. <laughs> I was like, I, I did not know. That was just a joke. I was like, oh, my. Yeah, sure, it's normal. She appreciated that. Yeah. I pulled an Austin Powers. I was like, how'd you know? I didn't, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I do also have to say that the retro trade dress on these really looks great compared to the standard image ones. Something about the banner makes the style of logo work better for me. Maybe because the ant logo is so old school looking. I th- yeah. I th- I'd say have- that's it. Yeah, that's got to be it. Yeah, on my Savage Dragon. I think it's actually covers, just I- too big on the standard covers, and the banner makes it be a little bit smaller. I don't know. So, oh, the guy's name was the Mighty One. The, the Mighty one. one. We weren't even close. Alzea Stone. Alzea Stone. That's a pretty good name to just go by the Mighty One, which is pretty generic. You know, I, I'm not going to lie, dudes. Listen, Eric has a chance to flesh out the Mighty One a little bit better. And I, for one, would love to fucking know a little bit more about this fucking guy who's another Johnny Redbeard type just sitting on high handing out powers. Well, he was stabbed through the back by Spawn, so unless he's got healing powers, I don't know. But comics. To know what the hell his deal is is what I'm saying. Like, he was just kind of just this fucking, like, Oh, it's the mighty one, and then he just gets killed so easy. And I was like, huh. He gives people powers. He's like the the, the new Johnny Redbeard, <laughs> right, the right. power he, breaker. He, he, he Can gave, he give himself the power to heal? <laughs> right. He gave um, what's her name? Uh, Spoons's Brenda uh, Funk. Brenda Funk her powers, right? And I don't think we've seen her since then either. Uh, I killed uh, Brenda Raven. Funk. Killed her. Oh, you did. <laughs> Severed her head with a sewer Mandel. cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sewer cap. I've never heard a manhole called a sewer cap. 
<laughs> well, the manhole is what you go in. The sewer cap or the sewer cover is what covers it. That makes oh sense. My God, you're right. I just call them manhole covers. Uh, wow. Ela- elastic character ammo. <laughs> yeah, to me, like, you kind of had the uh, Mighty One had a lot of buildup. Like, he was making Malcolm's life low-key hell by giving weirdos powers willy-nilly, seemingly. Like, who gives Brenda Funk powers? She's just a high school loser that's trying to avenge Spoon. <laughs> and yet... When he finally does get some screen time, he just gets stabbed like a bitch. So I, for one, am hoping that these recaps kind of redeem him a little bit, make him a little more interesting. Would you like to see him back? I don't want to see him return necessarily is what I'm saying. So much as, to me, he was a little bit of an anti-climax. And it would be cool to at least maybe know more about him <laughs> I, I know eric doesn't need my ideas but i really like my idea of the entity lives in the helmet that would be cool see that's the kind of thing i'm talking about jim as i'm saying here you have a chance to turn what felt like a bit of an anti-climax character into something more interesting that's all that's all i'm saying yeah i miss those slow burns oh, i always that. talk about that Burn it up. I mean, to be fair, it was a slow burn. It's just the ending. Yeah. <laughs> the burn, And the burn at the end was you got burned for expecting anything. <laughs> All right. Uh, last bit of news. Uh, apparently, uh, Jim Valentino uh, showcased a cover for an upcoming Image 30th anniversary book called The Last Shadowhawk. Uh, cover features dra- uh, original Savage Dragon, uh, which is why it's notable to us. Uh, the cover itself homages... Um, Young Blood number one. It's got the same pose. In fact, it even includes Bad Rock, um, who's odd to be right. on this cover because Liefeld doesn't own Bad Rock anymore. But yeah, according leg- to legally, well, it's Bad Rock, <laughs> right? Yeah, but yeah, how? <laughs> I do recall Valentino saying on Facebook that he did clear the proper channels on that. So I guess whatever went on in the background meant he's le- mm. he's on the cover. Legally. <laughs> At any rate, uh, the cover includes Bad Rock, Original Dragon, Invincible, Spawn, um, the uh, Shadowhawk, of course, and Witchblade. Which I found slightly interesting is that this is basically the lineup that we saw in the Image Image uh, uh, Image World Tour arc. Correct. Yep. Uh, the only new character would be Bad Rock. Right. If we're talking was there about, another character besides Bad Rock, or no? It was it just, was just these, it was just the five of them. I found it strange because it's supposed to be like the last Shadowhawk. Like my big thing was why not use Malcolm instead of yeah. Dragon? Well, that's a good question. Now the thing is, Invincible's there, and the end of his book also means that this is a more of a flashback, or at least the cover is true. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what Witchblade's current status is. And well, she doesn't wear the the sexy outfit anymore, right? Right. It's full covering, yeah. Yeah, so they're all different. I, you know, I'm going to say uh, this sucks. I don't like it. Um, well, it's kind <laughs> of... I'm sorry. Tell me how you feel. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, but, like, here's the thing. <clears throat> if in 2022 you're going to fucking, you know, pay homage to Eric and you're going to pay homage to Savage Dragon, you put goddamn Malcolm on that cover. <laughs> You put Malcolm on that cover, and you have lightning crackling off of his arms and fists so that people know 
at a glance, whoa, that's a new Savage Dragon. And on top of that, it's just like, I don't know, dude. You, yeah, it's, you, it, it's not like he's doing an, like honoring the original, you know, 30 year ago characters because Witchblade wasn't there and neither was Invincible. So Right. Yeah. And and on top of that, it's like you're not even going to draw the book. Draw the book. You're just going to do the cover? Come on. Uh, I'm okay with that. Honestly. No, I'm not. I mean, that's your I, opinion. I don't know if he's drawn interiors <laughs> in years. He's always had other people drawing Shadowhawk as long as I've been reading comics since the, early, the mid 2000s. Jim, I'm just saying that it's Image's 30th anniversary. That's true. And it has been you had an entire 30 years to build up to this moment. So you could have fucking done 30, I mean, 20 pages, however long an issue is, in in a year. <laughs> even even if you did one page a month for the previous two years, because you knew your 30th year is coming up, you could have drawn this entire book. There's no excuse well, for not drawing this whole I'm gonna book. I'm going to tell None. you my irritation with this cover, my specific Lay problem, on is I'm getting sick of Youngblood number one being referenced. Uh, yeah. It seems to be very popular, <laughs> yeah. and it's entirely because it was the first Image comic, and I yeah. think I think that's a little lazy to keep going back to the same motif. I agree. It, it's it's old already. I mean, it's yes, we get it. I mean, it was a very popular and important book at the time. It signified, like you said, the first Image comic book. I understand why people do it, but it's. Uh, did either of you get Valentino's timeline of the Savage uh, timeline of the Image Universe? Raven, you did. Right? I did, and it sucked. I see. <laughs> I knew it was going to, and I. It didn't. was a fucking waste of money. I knew Harsh. it. I knew it. I knew it. It was a waste of money. All it was was shit. Everyone knew, and like well, there was there was no insider baseball. The reason why I th- believed it was going to be because he did that for like the Image hardcover. For the twenty-year anniversary, uh, when everybody year. did like a store, or was it the ten-year? It was Maybe the ten-year that came out on the fifteenth. <laughs> was it the ten-year? Holy I, shit! Well, I don't remember I, anything like this. The one with Dragon's Origin. Then again, Dragon's Origin is the only thing I remember from the. 10 I'm year, pretty so. sure it was the tenth anniversary because it was okay. It was anticipated when I was getting into comics, and Good that would have been that would have been 2002. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> Well, anyway, it had Dragon's Origin, and Jim, I, I feel like Jim Valentino, I believe it was that, that he did like a timeline thing, and it was not good. No. Well, this wasn't good. I read through the whole thing. It was painful. I kept hoping for some cool insider baseball or some cool story or like a fucking yeah. anecdote or anything other than just what felt like the most boring, bare-bones recount of images thing and it was just weird it was weirdly like name droppy like it's like oh you know alan moore does supreme oh neil gaiman works with mcfarlane on medieval spawn it'll come back to haunt him and it's just like it was shit we knew it was everything it said we that knew. it said that it's it yeah it was the, that's oh, as close Jesus as it came Christ. yeah it's as close as it came to having personality so and jim frantically type <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a problem because I had my mic muted. Oh. <laughs> Which well, jokes on you. Yeah, at least we haven't been hearing like farts or anything. <laughs> um, 
But no, dude, it's just basically like... Oh, no. Hey. Yeah? Keep talking. I have to figure something out. Okay. <laughs> well, basically, this is the deal. Is like, I am going to buy this last Shadowhawk because it has Dragon on the cover. And because I'm in my Image 30th anniversary mood and whatever else. But frankly, as an Image fan who's super fucking like hype on Image, period... I'm not super fucking hype on this. It feels low effort. And so, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, you know what would be hype? It would be hype if Valentino drew this whole fucking thing. It would be hype if Valentino got the other founders to do, like, a pinup each. You know? Well, you don't would... know. You don't know at this point, right? We don't know I... what the interiors are going to be. We're basing this all on a cover, but... Well, wasn't it made clear that, like, it's just him on the cover and then the interior's just, like, someone else? Oh, yeah, that. Uh, Again, I guess I'm not too concerned about that. I mean, he'll probably write it. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, I'm not the hugest Valentino art fan. I I won't pick up a book if he, based on his art, to put it that way. I won't pick up a book based on his stories either, but I do have some nostalgia for the image early image shared universe and of course if dragons in it i'm going to grab it just to see what it's about right but but it's not a it sounds like it's a make or break for you if valentino is not drawing or you're super disappointed i would well, never be disappointed if he's not drawing it it's not make or break but i just think that it's kind of lame like i'm saying that like you know for a lot of people if you know i get it dude Valentino is always a person that has had collaborators, yeah. but I'm not, I don't feel like that's very like, uh, you know, festive or right. Right. <laughs> or monumental. You know, I feel like yeah. if you, if you want to kind of like, Oh, this is, you've been doing this for three decades. I'm saying if you're doing it for three decades, you know, respect your coworker, your fucking uh, fellows by putting like the proper savage dragon on the cover. You know, I don't care if original dragon has more sales power. I I don't care. I don't give a shit if you think, oh, but people know the original dragon from when they were kids. It's like, dude, fuck it. Put Malcolm on the cover, dude. (laughs) Do we know if this is a one shot or like a mini series? Hopefully it's the last shadow hawk. (laughs) But I don't. Yeah. But is it is it a mini series or a one shot? (laughs) It's unclear. Uh, the cover shows issue says issue one, and it also says first issue in brackets in a while. So I think <laughs> it's a ser- I think it's a series. Well, he had to put something in the box. It was on the Youngblood cover. Yeah. yeah, it might it might be cool if he's devising like a kind of Shadowhawk the end. You know, tell you what, it. tell you what, I love to be wrong in situations like this, well, and I am buying it, and I hope it's awesome. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I think it's worth noting, though, that according to my internet search, Valentino is almost 70 years old. He's like 10 years older than Eric. Yeah, makes sense. So what? Cartoonists. (laughs) No, I'm sorry, but like cartoonists can crank out stuff until they are like fucking dead. Do you know how many cartoonists have died at the drawing table? Well, man, he just wants to write, dude. I writing guess. writing is a lot more fun, Raven. Oh, you know what? Oh, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I like Angry Raven. It's, it's quite enjoyable. I'm just not going to pretend that I'm hyped for this. That's all. How dare you? 
I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. And if you know Shadowhawk, <laughs> send me an email and tell me how wrong I am and, and well, convince me. I'm just saying, sell me on why Shadowhawk is awesome. I can't. I honestly can't. Yeah, I can't he was never you. my favorite. Ooh, listeners. <laughs> if, if I wasn't clear, listeners, I'm, I'm challenging you. <laughs> not, not you guys. I'm saying listeners of the FinCast. If you love Shadowhawk and you're sitting there grinding your teeth and thinking, God damn, what a dumbass. He doesn't know anything. Yeah. Send me a, send me an email and, and let me know why I'm wrong and what makes it good. Because you know what I love? I love to be wrong about things sucking because then I discover something awesome. So I would I will totally change my mind. But I I'm think, just saying. I, I think one of the main things about Shadowhawk, I know we really should move on here, is that there isn't, <laughs> there isn't a lot of it. I'd be shocked if there's 50 issues of Shadowhawk in its no, entirety. No, I don't think so. Because it was a series of like four and f- three and four issue miniseries for a while, and then it was a continuation of the first series, numbering wise. I know this because I pulled a bunch of these issues out of dollar bins over the last year. There mm-hmm. were the images of Shadowhawk. Well, there's spinoffs. Series. I mean, books that are yeah. you know Shadowhawk one, two, three, and then the oh yeah, yeah, then yeah. I, I'm sure you're right. Like four miniseries, and then maybe something down. Like and even 10 with, years later. Like spinoffs, maybe 60, 70 issues. I be, wouldn't be shocked I, if it was no far way. less. Dude, I think it's like you're lucky if you're hitting 30-something. Oh, I really? I like think Craig's, it's less. Yeah, I feel like Craig's is closer. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot less Shadowhawk than anything else in the image of Founders, you know. I think it's very, I think it's pretty low. I don't think it tops 40. That feels right. That feels correct. I think it's closer to 30-something, but anyway. Um, You know, hey, uh, I, w- I, I wish him the best. I hope I'm wrong. I will be picking it up. I'll be sure to let you know. You know, we like to do a little thing where we open a floor up to you, dear listeners, because we enjoy hearing from you. We enjoy having you be part of the show. We call that the Finteresting Topic. And we asked something in the spirit of the 30th anniversary of Image last time. We said, what's your favorite Image-related memory, experience, series, whatever, from the last 30 years? It does not necessarily have to be Savage Dragon-related. So, having said that, our real-time fact-checker, Mr. James Purcell, confirms that we're 43 yeah, I was just really quick and dirty on uh, Comic Vine. I don't inaccuracies abound here, but uh, seems. About but that's right. if you add the spinoffs, right? No, no, that's all the titles that are Shadowhawk. Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> that's pretty good, though, Craig. You had it pretty close, dude. Um, yeah. Having said that, you know we're gonna jump on in, dude. We got some pretty what? meaty responses. Before you jump in, real quick, let's give out the oh. the email that people can Absolutely. write into. Absolutely. Uh, SavageFinCast at gmail.com. If you want to write in uh, at the end of reading these letters, we'll throw out another topic. Um, and uh, feel free to write in. Or if you want to join in on this one and, and you missed your chance, we will read your uh, response for this one as well. We're also open to hearing interesting conversation topics from you, the listener. So if you think we have not given you the best topic, throw out another one. We'll propose it to the listeners. Without further ado, I think we got some kick-ass letters to go through. All right, so we got Hello Fantastic Finheads. Uh, congrats on the Super Freaks book, and may you have more of those in the future eventually. 
Uh, my last two emails must have been sent to the spam or maybe overlooked since you all have been busy. But anyway, I'm happy that Eric wrapped up the Ant series so he could set up for his new run. I like the difference in the style he has going on here. I have enjoyed the first issue as well uh, as well good first issue. I have enjoyed the first issue <laughs> uh, as well as good first issue. It's a good first issue compared to some others from different companies. I am definitely going to be in getting this series and thank you guys for the show now for my favorite image series good god i love the max it was absolutely beautiful and bizarre even dragon and mako showed up in it i enjoyed i enjoy manhattan projects spawn especially once uh capulio got on it astro city is another great one but jim mentioned it black science is an outstanding series there is so many good ones uh out there tons more but thanks again for keeping the cheers on for 10 more years uh, that was from James Sheehan. Thank you, Big Jim, man. Appreciate it. Lots of good picks, and I'm going to second that Spawn endorsement. So what, the, co- the Capullo years? Capullo. Greg, Cap- is it Capullo? I don't know. I'm bad with names, dude. Especially foreign-looking ones. Well, you know Seems like it would be Capullo, right? Yeah. I always thought it was Capullo, but I guess Capullo is better. Yeah, you're just saying it really in Americanese. <laughs> phonetically. Very phonetically. Capulo. Greg Capula. <laughs> All right, guys. Here we go. I like that Manhattan Projects. Uh, I, it started to get away from me, no, but that's uh, good, Jonathan dude. Hickman, uh, that Nick Pateri, has got kind of a crazy art style. Mm-hmm. What, it was a wild was comic. Like what was the like era? Like what about when did that hit? Was that early image? Early mid-image? no. Oh god, no. No That's Manhattan early, projects like early twenty two hundred fifteen. Like early yeah twenty tens. Twenty tens. I don't think it was um, as late as twenty fifteen. It may have ended in twenty fifteen. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, uh, what the hell was Black Science? Uh, that was a Matt Fraction like uh, like violent sliders type of deal. I think <laughs> violent sliders. Black Science. That's that is that different than. Uh, uh, who's the guy that does oh, shit? You're thinking Tony Moore, right? Yeah. What was that? Oh, one? that's Fear uh, Agent. Tony. Fear Agent. No, who's the, the uh, Rick Remender? Didn't he do? Oh, right. That okay. wasn't. Um, let me double check who made Black Science. I thought it was. Who did I say? I I think it was Remender. You said Matt Fraction, but I oh. think it was Remender. Yeah, I mix them up all the time. They're the same guy. The thing. Uh, uh, Rick Remender, his stuff is hit or miss for me, but what I do like about him is that he sticks with his books and they have long runs. Yeah. So if you do like it, you don't have to be worried that it's going to disappear after four issues. Yeah, it, it was Remender, and it has 43 issues. Ooh. Shit. <laughs> Dude, that's what's funny about Image. Sorry to just wax on about Image, but, I mean, that is the point here, I guess. That's what's funny about Image is that uh, – it's real easy to associate it with just like short, like six issue, seven issue arcs of things. But it has some series that have just gone for like 60 issues. Yeah. I think like almost every one of Remenders, unless they were dubbed miniseries, have been like 20 plus issues. Well, it's time. Hey guys, I'm going to make this letter as normals. Humanly possible, just to make Raven feel self-conscious doing that V for Vendetta voice. I'm sure listeners are confused and scared by it. (laughs) As a preamble to your previous Fantastic Convo, 
Let me just say it's still shocking how Eric Larson Ip had decided to buy the rights to someone else's character. Given how emotionally invested he is in Savage Dragon, that is to say, his own prolific creativity, low these many years. Announcing that Ant is coming on the back of Savage Dragon 224, similar to DC Comics, heralding the arrival of Jack Kirby, only to have her show up four years later. Her? I think that's uh, he's, he's talking about Ant, not Kirby. Oh, I thought he misgendered Jack Kirby. I was like, not cool, Satiris. You gotta respect those pronouns, motherfucker. Um, in her own book, as the 12th issue of Mario Goli's run, wasn't necessarily the best way to go about generating hype. Starting with the first issue obviously makes more dollars and cents. That said, if he draws it, I buy it, provided his art style is still recognizable and not too experimental. I like eccentric artists who go off off the beaten path. As long as Larson doesn't go off the deep end and start calling himself the Eggman or the Walrus while shouting, Goo Goo Gajoob, I'm good with it. While I like weird stuff, I'm not a fan of NFTs, which I view as a scam. It's not even good for the environment. Which brings me to my own interesting conversation. If I may, would you distinguish dudes ever purchase an Eric Larson NFT? Perhaps Jim would be more inclined, given how he's an advocate of digital comics. It would be interesting if he brought this subject up next time Eric sits down for a chat. You know, I used to think Todd McFarlane... Uh, only draws digitally now because he's so rich and he no longer cares about selling original art, only to learn that he's embracing NFTs, which, via smart contracts, allows an artist to make a percentage of a sale each time the same artwork changes hands, so to speak. I'll say this about the Toddster. I like how Spawn is still two ninety nine, And there you have it. A normal letter. Nary a mentor of Dragon Dongs or Vaginas. Spoken in a normal voice. Brought, brought, it, brought it to it. Had to bring the character. Sincerely, Satiris Gravis. P.S. Happy anniversary. I salute the ebullient Bonheim of your 10-year-long bromance. P.P.S. Shout out to Craig, who writes the best letters into Savage Dragon. By the no way, lies Craig. there. <laughs> By the way, whatever happened to the missive that Raven said he'd contribute? I'm Good go ahead. question. Wait, wait, wait. We're not going to... We're no, I'm going to address this. Over this. Yes, I'm you gonna, are. I'm, I'm going to address this right here. Because this is bullshit. I'm going to tell you that It is right bullshit. Because check it out. I sent in a Lies. Letter. I don't nope. believe it. No, I did. Do you want to know why I'm bringing this up? I sent in a letter, and my little joke was that the letter was going to... Because remember, I've never written in to Savage Dragon, right? In, in 30 years... <laughs> Right. I've been reading this book. I've never written in. So it kind of chat my ass that my first letter was going to have to be like full of praise for you, right? So, <laughs> well, and that's what you get, dude. You no, lost. No, 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 no. But check it out. Here's what's so fucked. So I worked really hard and I wrote this letter <laughs> where I didn't say anything about you. But the first letter of every sentence in my letter was going to spell out the the phrase Craig is just okay. <laughs> and so I had to work, right? I had to like what's a sentence that starts with o or k, you know what I'm saying? And so mm. it was a lot of work. I sent it in and Eric never ran it. And then he gets on every social media platform and is like 
hey guys, you know, send letters. Like, you really need to send letters. They should be here. And I'm just like, bro, I sent a letter. Are you kidding me? I very hard worked on letter. So Satiris, Craig, everyone who is expecting my Craig praising letter, I'm going to try again at some point, but... You have to. You have I, to. I'm just saying I got shut down. My first ever letter I sent. And I well, got... See, that's your problem, not mine. Wait, hold <laughs> on. You signed it with your name, right? Yes. I find it shocking that you would be snubbed so. Super snub, dude. Maybe you snub. just suck at writing. I haven't seen it. I don't know. Suck, suck at writing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I, I worked to make this letter. I worked to make this letter interesting, yet have a hidden message. This was a worked-on letter. I didn't. I just guess like, we should for for new listeners who might not be privy. Right. Correct. We oh. had every once in a while we'll do a little game, a <laughs> trivia game or something. Quiz. And the wager here was whoever lost or whoever won. At the time, we got to decide what. It, what it would be right what the, yeah i was gonna have you draw have a do. page of a comic right and you had to write a letter a measly you. little letter praising me and that listen, would get submitted to eric <laughs> listen dude i for worked, savage dragon i worked on that letter to make it awesome and to have it have like the hidden message and it got snubbed snubsville dude so I mean, I will try again, Satiris. I will try again, Craig. I will try again, everybody who's looking forward to that. Right. Letter. I think everybody that writes in should mention this in a PS until something. <laughs> Remind Raven until they see this letter printed. <sighs> two more P- right. two more PSs before he's done. PPPS, Jim's woman curling gets three thumbs up from me. <laughs> Those tight pants make my pants tighter. When they scream, hurry hard, I'm hard. Now, this is a curling joke, Jim, so you got to help me. What's this mean? Well, okay. So, when they're sliding the puck down the ice, the uh-huh. the people with the brooms uh, sweep in front uh-huh. of the puck. Uh-huh. Uh, it, the sweeping melts the ice slightly, which is what causes the puck to curl, or the rock, rather, to quote-unquote curl. Uh, and so generally when they're shouting hurry hard, it means they're scrubbing hard to get the most curl. Wow. It's why it's the greatest sport on earth. And not just because of tight pants. Do you they just say slide? Pants? Why do they have to say curl? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, it's a sliding. <laughs> well, cur- it's like bowling. It's a, it's a <laughs> curling and bowling. Do you find their pants to be exceptionally tight? I did finally find out the, the scoring rules of curling. He I, fu- my, I got snubbed. <laughs> snubbed twice. Uh, this is not my day. Final PS. People not writing in <laughs> breaks my heart as well. I never break hearts, only hymens. My Valentine's Day motto. Thank you for writing a normal letter, Satiris Gravis. That was incredibly normal. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, I'm feeling very libeled. He's going to continue. <laughs> anyway, very sorry. libeled. The idea that just because I enjoy uh, digital goods, I must be a fan of NFTs. Yeah. I despise you NFTs. You villain. Crypto in its entirety can go straight into the middle of the sun. Bingo, yeah. If that, Eric, that was worth answering. If Eric got into NFTs, I would probably drop Dragon and delete the FinCast. Wow. Whoa. 
Now, considering this is what's interesting, considering that Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld both did NFTs, I'm just saying it's not outside the realm of possibility that image could, like where somebody might be like, oh, 30th anniversary NFT, congratulations. That's what I was going to say. It's probably a bad time to announce that we're releasing NFTs for the 10th year anniversary of the FinCast. Yeah. They're all <laughs> ugly monkeys with various uh, dragon fins. Fins. They're uh, new fin tokens. Oh, you're right. So what we'll do is we will source all of the bad fins throughout history. And you'll own your very own. Wrong. Yes. Finally, thanks to the power of blockchain, you'll be able to prove that you own uh, fucking Greg Capullo's wonky fin. (laughs) You'll own the Frank Miller Savage Dragon pinup. Or at least the receipt that you made a purchase. Just just the receipt. Um, receipt. You know what? I'm going to answer that interesting conversation. A side that not a lot of people bring up. Everybody talks about the environmental impact. Everybody talks about um, the fact there's a giant pyramid scam, and both those things are true. But just as an artist, if I can say, a lot of artists are super into it because a lot of artists are, you know, they're normal people. They're greedy. They need money. But, dude, I have seen so many artists get fucked over by NFTs. And what I mean by that is that uh, they're not regulated, and so anybody can steal your work and put it on OpenSea, the website. And so tons of artists have been abused and had their work stolen and sold and profited off of without their permission. And uh, there's nothing that anybody can do about it. Nope. And so nobody and that, talks and, about and that, that. And I've assumed that the entire time is that these starving artists, creators who want a payday, are promised right. these big dollar sign dreams Yes, and they buy in. Yeah, and it's not gonna. It does never. It's not gonna pay off because the person getting brought in, the, the person bringing them in, is more likely to get paid off, as well as like the system that they use to generate it's, the NFTs. It, that's why it's a scam. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a scam in many ways, but for artists specifically, that's definitely a scam. And the funny thing is about big name artists like J. Scott Campbell. Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld doing NFTs is that it's like, okay, big, successful artist who doesn't necessarily need this shot of income. That's cool. I'm glad that you decided to get just a little more money for the money pile. But I'm sure a lot shitty. of them will say they're trying to fill a demand because NFT demands is high. But it's you, know so- what they, you know what everybody says? Everybody says everyone's doing it. That's, yeah. that's the answer for it. And it's like, cool. And, you when know these, what? and when these names do it, it legitimizes it. Right. And so that's the thing is it's super shitty because smaller artists who like, for instance, if Todd McFarlane wanted to raise hell, he's got money. He could raise hell and get his work taken off of these sites. If Johnny No Name with like 10K followers or less gets his work stolen, he has no recourse. He has no power. His work is there. So in this way is what I'm telling you is that little artists are fucked hard by this. Bigger artists profit and do well and so it's very shitty i would never even bring this up to eric because i don't even want to plant a goddamn seed you know what i mean just well like, i'm i i'm pretty sure he's aware and has already dismissed uh, had his no interest i'm sure he has no interest yeah i wouldn't even ask him because he'd just he'd be like fuck no and that'd be the end of it you know <laughs> all right craig you have an opinion 
on that interesting question? Uh, I don't really care. I'm. I don't think it's something I'm interested in honestly at all so I, I haven't looked much into it but everything i hear and it just doesn't seem like it's for me at all i just don't see anything really interesting about it it's the ugliest trash yeah I, I, don't, I don't i collect art prints and artwork and things yes, like I that you buy real art i like having it on my wall i like having the physical thing i don't i'm not interested in buying a digital copy of something it's a joke know. dude all somebody, NFT is. I, I don't like like i don't mind like like with jim you're buying digital comics to read but to buy something digital to collect maybe i'm just old school but it just doesn't appeal to me no like, it goes against the very concept of digital goods because <laughs> the idea about digital goods is guess what jim buys a copy of ant digitally Guess what? There's still infinite copies of Ant digitally for the whole rest of the world to enjoy. Right. So there's one copy copied multiple times. Right. And Amazon and Eric are still getting paid. Right. So what is an NFT for? Nothing. Nothing. It's, it's funny because they'll say, oh, it has proof of ownership. And this way, it's like, guess what, dude? Copyright law works that way. The yeah. minute you create something, it's automatically copywritten. And so you literally don't have to do anything other in this world than just get your work out there. Just let people know that you did it and you're protected. This literally offers no protection. At any rate, enough. This is not the Savage yes. NFT cast. Craig, take it away. All right. So we got a letter from Jeremy King. Jeremy writes... Hey guys, I've been behind in listening to the podcast, but I spent a recent 10-hour car trip catching up on the last several episodes, so I'll just throw out some comments about some of the subjects you've tackled recently. Jim Lee's Savage Dragon 13. Jim Lee was my favorite artist at the time Image launched, and I devoured the Wildstorm line. I didn't know who Eric Larson was until I picked up the Savage Dragon miniseries, as I was a huge X-Men fan and not really reading Spider-Man at the time. But I bought all the early Image releases and really loved Dragon, so I was pretty excited when they swapped titles for Image X-Month. And while Wildcats 14 was a pretty fun read, Dragon 13 was not good. As much as I loved Lee, it was not a, not great art or story. I had hoped for so much more. I was glad that Eric did his own 13, which I do feel counts as an unbroken run. Uh, in terms of the lettering, our lettering discussion, he says, Wooten and Morelli both killed it lettering issue 260. I was hard-pressed to pick my favorite. And honestly, after Eliopoulos, Workman, or Zachowski and Delgado, I don't know who I would pick as a dream letterer. That's a hall of fame of letterers already. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> uh, Ant 12. I've never read any of the original Ant. Although I remember when it was coming out. I only picked up the new issues because Eric is doing them. So Ant-12 is an interesting item to me. It makes little sense to me currently, so I don't feel it was totally necessary for the relaunch. But I'm hoping it will work better once Eric makes his way back to it in the regular series. And if Eric felt he needed to do it for his peace of mind, then more power to him. On Image Turning 30... Man, I was 12 in 1992, and Image was the most exciting thing that happened in my comic reading life. It's hard to put into words to people who didn't experience it. The energy and excitement surrounding the launch and the early titles. 
I bought everything that came out from those first couple of years. That's probably my favorite image memory, just being on the ground floor of this new universe by some of my favorite creators. Each new advertisement, each new title coming out, me desperately trying to earn enough money to buy them all. Uh, as far as Dragon goes, just being introduced to Eric's work through that first miniseries is my favorite memory of the series. Uh, he goes on to say, congrats on Super Freaks. I can't wait to buy it and read it. And also congratulations on 10 years of the podcast. I only discovered it about a year ago, but I've been working my way through all the older episodes. It's a wonderful celebration of Dragon and all of Eric's hard work, and I'm really glad it exists. Take care, Jeremy King. Thank you so much, man. Yes. Yeah, yes, thank great. you. Um, I totally agree with um, a lot of those points, like the Ant-12. Uh, we'll talk about that as we go, but I still find it it's very confusing, even though I did read the first 12, at least the first issues, because so much goes on, and we can talk about that. And I would say his memories of Image, uh, I feel the same way. You know, it was pretty amazing being kind of a young person when Image was starting, and all these new titles coming out and seeing all the ads and being like, Oh shit, you know, because I was super into all those guys as most of us were that were around collecting back then. Um, it was just something wild that I don't think we'll ever see again in our lifetime. I don't think we will. I totally agree. I don't even know. I think I've said this before, but I don't even know what collective of modern artists could bring that same level of attention. Yeah, I think it's just uh, uh, something of the time. Like, it's just, it, yeah. I think what we're seeing now is the movies and the movie stars that kind of bring that kind of level of hype when it comes to, like, Comic-Con and Marvel stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, I mean, it, even if you had, like, for instance, like, uh, you know, Otley and fucking uh, Daniel Warren Johnson – and like just some of the young like uh big artists that are blowing the fuck up um even if you had them all just team up and come out with just a whole line of new books as weird as it sounds in our current market in the current climate of like the internet where people see new stuff all the time right yeah i just don't think it would land the same who do you think is the last huge comic book personality you mean close to the level of like the founding fathers of image yeah or or bigger i don't know i'm just saying who was the last like big comic celebrity i don't know if it's celebrities are right but just uh talent i guess uh cave on bendis bendis i'll say kirkman because kirkman's after tv wait i'm sorry what's your timeline here what are you saying I'm saying the the last, the very last, large, like the last person to be as big as like just be on that level, like that. Well, I don't know what you're of, saying because uh, so level like the the last who's been on like the image guys level, like the the most recent like, person. No, Kirkman. I'd say it's even later than There's that. Someone, I'd say like Brian. Uh, sorry, uh, Cave on and. And Bendis? Well, Bendis is earlier. But most people don't know Bendis, though. Most people I feel like Kirkman's more famous than Bendis. Well, Kirkman's, Kirkman's famous because he's on TV, but... Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, though, is, like, my mom knows who Kirkman is. She wouldn't know who the fuck Brian K. Vaughn is. 
or Bendis. You know what I'm saying? I think it's Kirkman. Well, your mom probably doesn't know who any of the image founders were either. At oh, the time, I'm sure, like McFarlane or uh, <laughs> Rob Liefeld was know. on TV, though. Is what I'm saying. McFarlane had Spawn. Yeah, she knew Spawn, dude. She totally knew McFarlane. He had a from movie Spawn. and a cartoon. Yeah, she thought that movie was fucking awesome. Who do you think at this point, currently, is the most famous comic guy? Like Miller, Frank Miller, Alex Ross, or Gaiman, or uh, Gaiman, or uh, um, Alan Moore. Well, Alan Moore's out. He quit. Neil Gaiman, if you're talking. But I mean, living. Like, who's the the, the most famous living? George Neil Perez Gaiman died. <laughs> huh? George he Perez. So no writers is what you're saying. No, 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 because because. Uh, no, I'm because Jim said Alan Moore's out. He's not doing comics. I just mean like currently living. Who's been in comics? Like who is the biggest? Gaiman. If you're not, saying... you think so? Um, I mean, I'm... he's got penetration in the book scene, so he's got like multimedia cred. You think he's more famous than like Frank Miller overall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I, more I, beloved. Well, there's certainly that, but I just mean Frank Miller doesn't write novels. Or... I think no, I get about, that. I think if you're talking about who is loved. I think it's Gaiman because he had like American Gods on TV and then yeah. like he's he's got the whole lit scene of just pure lit readers plus comic, you know, sort of avant-garde comic right. lovers. But right. then I think if you're just talking about just who does Joe blow on the street now, I'm saying it's Kirkman because of Talking Dead specifically. More than like Alan Moore and all his movies and... I don't think people know Yeah, Alan but he, he, he disassociates himself from them. So yeah. the average person isn't going to care. It's hard for me to understand because I know these people, so I don't really think, right. you know, it's hard for me to be like, do people really know? Or I think yeah. I think Talking Dead, the talk show that airs after Walking Dead, is the only reason I'm giving Kirkman that level. But I feel like Kirkman very smartly used Walking Dead to get himself out there. And so I think that's why Invincible the cartoon blew up. I think yeah. it's, I think it's, Talking Dead. I think that's why you put Kirk. I don't. Th- I think because he he did a lot of writing on I the Walking guess Dead TV show. He's and kind of new generation Kevin Smith. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I who who would who would people know bigger though? Is yeah, you know you know what Kevin Smith might be more popular just because people know him. I feel like he's becoming know a joke. his face, and he's well. I mean, because he. He's not just hiding behind, not, not hiding, but he's not just behind the scenes and just only you're only seeing his work. Like Kevin Smith is fully integrated into, you know, himself into the scene, you know, into Kevin TV Smith's and a good one. Kevin Smith's a good one. And he stars in his own movies. <laughs> well, he he just simply said Spider Man should get a uh, Spider Man three should get a like award, and it just fucking blew up, and there was fights over it for days. And I was like, huh, he still got it. Like he can still draw heat. There's just a lot of non-comic it. people that know Kevin Smith. You know, Kevin Smith's a good one, dude. That's that's pretty good. Even though he's not the greatest, you know, uh, talent. But uh, and I liked him better fat. I don't like skinny Kevin. Smith. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, although it's, to it's be important. fair, he likes. While he, he still has got the guy, jorts, right? While he while he is a guy who's you know wrote comics and such, he isn't really in comics. That's true. His indie film is the only reason he got to write comics. No, uh, all right, yeah. Oh, I guess, yeah, is... you just forget that. He's so ingrained in the community. Yeah. Kirk, it's Kirkman. I'm telling you, it's Kirkman. Kirkman's the most known. Guyman's the most beloved. I'm not, I am not, like, 
convinced Kirkman's that well known outside the comic community. Get but real. anyway, we've gone no. on and on. I was just an interesting question. You say it was interesting. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next letter. Hello there, y'all. This is my quick take on the previous interesting conversation. I'm glad that Eric finished that, mostly because I've read several issues of a comic series that would just end without a conclusion. It sucks trying to find information from the writer explaining what happened and what was coming in the future for the series only to never be told. Maybe that's on itself could be the next interesting conversation. What series ended it that never had a proper conclusion that you wish would have had one? As for my main topic, my favorite image comics that I grew up with are, excluding the obvious one, <laughs> Gen 13. My first interaction with Image Comics, love the series, and Caitlin Fairchild, super strong, but mink character. Crimson, my first interaction with Umberto Ramos art, and the supernatural genre outside of Buffy and Angel. Battle Chasers, just for Joe Mad art and maybe a certain redhead. The Tenth, I just loved the art. Dynamo 5, just good all around. Battle Pope. Stupid fun with a really hot Virgin Mary. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Because I always loved the turtles, and I loved this version of them. Okay, guys. Wish you the best and congratulations on the awesome news of the collab comic that will be published. Can't wait to get my hands on it. Andre R. So all these are like early 2000 comics, right? Yeah. But I feel that he, Andre, definitely made wise choices because you notice most of his stuff had a hot babe in it. <laughs> so these were, I can tell just by the choices and the passion for the like the hot character. And, and also two things, jokes aside, like influential, like his first supernatural book. Like these were kind of like keystone picks, it sounds like to him, like pivotal moments. You know what I mean? So I like these picks. I think there's all of them have a strong visual or they're fun in some way that is unique to them. Uh, I like very this varied. list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dynamo and, 5, that's the Jay Faber, right, Jim? Yes. That one's actually, of all these, it's actually the latest one. It was like... Yeah, didn't Malcolm late. cross over in that? He did. Yeah. He's on a well, cover we, even, right? Yes. So would you say that's like late 2000s? Uh, yeah, I'd say around 2010, 2012. It's like young, uh, uh, purple shirt, Malcolm. Hmm. Yes. No. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll say that what's funny about this list and what I like about it too, is that like, he's talking about like his first exposure to Umberto Ramos wasn't like X-Men. It was Crimson. And yeah. like he, he talks about, he's like, you know, I like battle chasers just for the Joe mad. Like what's cool is uh, this is like a list composed of some of the reasons like why I like image it's like, man, you know, these were like creator-owned properties. Battle Pope. Yeah. And I'm, well, I'm just saying, like, you could really feel the unique voice in these properties. Yeah. You know what I'm I saying? mean, at that time, Battle Pope was being reprinted because, you know, Walking Dead was popular, but it wasn't a TV show at that point. And Invincible. Well, actually, there was, a, I think, a web series. It was animated very poorly. Well, he meant Walking Dead. Invincible. Dead not, well, did I say yeah. Walking Dead? He meant Walking Dead wasn't a TV show. Yeah, Invincible was like an MTV. But what I'm saying is Battle Pope was. 
It was before the reprint of the comic. I thought it was. After I don't know. About, I don't know about the timing on that. I just know yeah, it exists. I think it, I'm pretty sure it was after. Was it on like Spike TV or something? Yes, or MTV. One of those two. I, I remember the Spike. MTV thing. Invincible was Invincible was on MTV as like a motion comic. Oh yeah, yeah. very poor. <laughs> motion comics. I'm glad that didn't work. Yeah, glad, <laughs> glad that it's fucking NFT of its time. All right, I'm going to get through this because I want to get to the meat and potatoes soon. Yes, sir. Uh, this is from Tony M. He says, yo, FinCast crew, hate to be the continuity cop, but the Finteresting Convo you referred to this episode, which I don't know which episode he's referring to at this point, our last one, but or the one before it, but he said, was put out in episode 109, and you read at least one response by me in episode 110. I think the last interesting conversation topic was who would be a dream letter for Savage Dragon. Anywho, incredible news on the fanzine-style compilation book. Awesome sauce. Congrats on getting it published. I will definitely be picking up that one. I didn't even remember rereading some... I, I don't know. Our bad if we did, but... You know what that, that happens once well, in a while. well, not to be a continuity cop, but we didn't get any responses to the letter question. I know, right? We did finally this time. Right? Oh, it was mentioned. I don't know if he (laughs) gave his suggestion. That's right. He didn't pick. No. They all can't be winners. So that segues into what? (laughs) That is the end of that. Thank you, everyone, for writing those letters, Jim. You got a new one for us, baby. Yep. We got a new Finteresting Conversation. Finteresting Conversations are uh, 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 topic concepts that we... Uh, prompt to you, the listeners, to write in to us with your answers. You can always email us at savagefincats at gmail.com and let us know what you think. Uh, our new interesting conversation is Eric mentions uh, Eric mentions that Ant looks like his art in Savage Dragon 83. He suggests that uh, then that it may change. Uh, if so, what approach would you hope Eric would take on Ant? Uh, I remember uh, Savage Dragon 83 very vividly. It was one of the early issues I dug out of a bin when I was trying to fill in a bunch of Savage World stuff when I was first getting in. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, If I remember correctly, it's the issue that uh, introduced us to the Annie character. Uh, yes, in God, God Town. Yep. And I guess that's why it sticks out to me as well as the art style thing. Because if I remember also correctly, there's like a hard... It, it starts regular... With the with the inks, and then Dragon gets teleported away, and he wakes mm-hmm. up, and it's the new open line style. And it was very I unique. That. I didn't really know what to make of it because I had very little context on. It also had the fabulous furry freak brothers. <laughs> oh yeah, those guys. <laughs> Sorry, had to interject. No, that's good. They're getting a cartoon show. It's very timely. Now uh, I have a fun idea. Do you two have your own ideas? I want to go last. No, you can go. I don't have one yet. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to be controversial. What I'd like to see an issue of Ant or even Savage Dragon uh, painted by Nikos uh, Kuntis, like over Larson. He still fucked up his name. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. Kuntis. Kuntis. We know what you mean. Go his ahead. current coloring style, I think, has a very watercolor element to it and i think if eric did a bunch of uh layouts and maybe even like tight pencils Mm -hmm. 
he could just use his coloring skills to make it look painterly. And I think that would be a really killer look for our issue or three. Very interesting. I was not expecting that. So you're saying Eric with a more pencil-y finish and then Nikos coming in strong with painterly like looks, right? Like you wouldn't be able to see the pencils in the final product. It would just be the colors. Okay. Yeah, weird. Is there an issue of Dragon that had a moment like that we could point to? Um, The only thing I can think of is possibly the Wanted cover. That has a, but I'm pretty sure that has inks as well. That's J.G. Yeah. Jones, and that was... Uh, no, 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 not the J.G. Jones cover. one, the Eric's cover. Oh, the Eric cover. I have to, he okay. also had a rejected one, remember? That's right. Like Malcolm with a like a backpack or a sack, walk, not Malcolm, Dragon walking down the highway, kind of. It looked cool. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. The wanted well, cover is the one with Malcolm. Uh, I keep saying Malcolm. Dragon's face on the ground, right, with the, the gun pointed to his head. Yeah, and I'm looking closely at it, and it's very clearly got Eric inks over it. But they're also, you know, there's a lot going on with the, with the color to make it more grimy and deep shadows and stuff like that. Uh, so I wouldn't say that's exactly what I'm talking about, but it is closer. Mm-hmm. No, I wouldn't say go full Alex Ross. I mean, stick with the coloring style. Just put it over top of the inks. Like, I don't know. I think it would be a fun experiment. That's a good one, dude. Although I don't know how much more extra work that would be for Nikos and whether or not Eric would go for it, seeing as, quote-unquote, his art wouldn't really be seen. Yeah, technically. But, you know what he likes to do? He does like to repurpose stuff, and that would technically give him his original artwork, and then a second final finished page so he could later on showcase the original artwork somewhere. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Well, that's a good one, Craig. Do you have yours or do you want me to go? Uh, why don't you go? Um, I'm, I got an easy one. Um, I always thought Herculean had a cool sort of scratchy look. I know it was a 24-hour comic, and yet... I think that it had a lot of really good uh, cartooning. You know, uh, it's just like it's like not his typical rendering style, but uh, it's it's just you got that solid you know Eric Larson cartooning in action, but it was just kind of like there was something rough to it. You know what I mean? Well, and, uh, that makes me think of the last Larson uh, Supreme issue as well. Yeah, I, I think you could point to that as a good example too. So. Uh, if there was, if Ant was to change styles, which I like Ant's current style, but if Ant changes styles in the future, I wouldn't be mad if he did some of that kind of like, you know, that kind of like Herculean looking art. And that's my pick. I would say I would like to see him go in the opposite direction and get a real kind of uh, thick ink line or something. Like maybe a chick stone type, almost coloring book, like just to see what it would look like. So you get one completely opposite direction, or um, it maybe would be cool to see. And I, you know, this is probably just a pipe dream, but like just different people inking his stuff and tightening it up. And uh, I don't know if that's even a possibility. It seems like Ant's going to be a one man show just for. We're playing economic reasons, but you know what? I'm going to put it out there for the listener. We're playing uh, 
we're playing God here. Uh, we're basically going to just be saying whatever we want. So you know what, Craig? Uh, money's know. not an issue. Money's not Eric, an issue. Well, Eric says he draws too loose, really, for an inker. But that's what it he would says, be. I I, I would enjoy seeing different people inking himself, and maybe even some of the more semi-pro type people uh, just, just getting jumping. a crack at it. I'm just jumping on your uh, bandwagon here. I'm kind of just like cheating a little and throwing in like a second <laughs> art direction. But you know what? I'm going to agree with you. If there was another like weird kind of direction to take the book, you know what would be a weird departure from the one-man band to go the complete other direction and have a full team? And do you know what we've never seen in Savage Dragon? Or really, you don't. You don't see it in much American North American comics at all. I would be interested to see uh, if you're going to bring in a team, the assistant approach, where uh, you know Eric maybe could still draw the main characters however he wants, but then some assistant draws the backgrounds. There you go. Yeah. So you had that in uh, Cerebus. You know, obviously, we had Gerhard, you know, doing the backgrounds with uh, Sim. Guess what? Eric loves Scott Pilgrim. Well, you think the final volumes of Scott Pilgrim, O'Malley brought on an assistant. And if you look at those trades or whatever, those graphic novels, some of the best looking shit. Because you still got O'Malley doing the cartoony main characters. But then you got those super beautiful detailed backgrounds. Hey, that's another direction Ant could take is the whole collaborator appearance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and just kind of piling on that, even if it's not every issue, maybe it'd be nice to see Eric do kind of an arc and then have someone come in for an issue and kind yes. of give Eric a breather. It's not like it's Savage Dragon and you want to you know, keep your run intact. This is a whole new animal. You don't have to be confined by that. You know what I mean? You can you can bring someone in for an issue or something and help you catch up. Dude. Absolutely. Like if he, yeah, dude, like Ant could kind of be like, since he doesn't have to be precious about it. Like you said, he, it's not like his near and dear to his heart, baby. It's a thing that dropped in his lap that he never thought he was going to have in his lap. Like basically if he was to, uh, have Ant almost be like the anti savage dragon, where, like, he brings on, like, you know, yeah, dude, that's a great idea. That's what I do. You don't think it would... good letters, good ideas. You don't think it would bother people to have an inconsistent, like, art team? Uh, You know, here's the thing. After 30 years of seeing Eric one-man bandit, almost, you know, I mean, obviously, I had colorers and letterists, uh, letterers and colorists, but, like, after 30 years of seeing Eric do it, don't you think it'd be cool and fun to see what other people brought to his work? That was well, what was kind of well, cool. Absolutely. That's what was kind of cool about his Supreme because you had Eric pencils, Alan Moore writing and Corey Hampshire finishes. Mm-hmm. It was just a weird hodgepodge that you never are going to get regularly from him. But like you were suggesting rotating teams, right? Like well, different groups. Well, yeah, Craig was just uh, playing with the idea of like arcs. Oh, like if arcs. if he wanted if he wanted to like take a breather and catch up with something else, someone could come in and do an issue or two. Right. Yeah, maybe. Or like if 
kind of like spawn think spawn or something yes dude so like for instance that would create that spawn like thing where you'd be like oh the capula run was so good or you know whatever else kind of like i don't know i think it would free him up like you said to just i don't know flex his creativity like what would eric do if he had like fucking uh who's that guy that draws he's a young guy but he draws just like art adams works at marvel nick bradshaw what would eric do what kind of story would eric write if he knew hey he had a nick bradshaw type doing the visuals you know what i'm saying i also think that helps kind of pull in new readers and keeps the title fresh you know that's a good idea (laughs) man i hope he hears that one (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a good ass idea um i'm sure he thought of something like yes eric yes raven I'm sure he would never do that. Yeah, like that's fucking like the dream impossible. Yeah, he's you know listening what? to you saying, what a stupid idea. Yeah, he's <laughs> laughing. Dumbasses. So basically, uh, that's that. Uh, you know what? Hey, thank you for uh, all the responses we had last time. Please write us in this time and tell us, hey, you know, if Ant changes art direction, what would you like Eric to do with it? You know what I'm saying? And of course, uh, what's that email, Craig? savagefincast at gmail.com press the button send it in (laughs) you know I'm super hungry I might need a a double I might need a double dose of meat and potatoes well more appetizer than 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 a meal Uh, because while we did interview Eric uh, recently about ant number one we didn't really go over it in any detail so it's probably worth just mentioning real quick what happens and what we thought of it. Although I think we talked about how we, what we thought of it. Actually, I think we, that was a interesting conversation. So we're good there. But you're just saying basically we're just going to loosey-goosey. Yes. Just sort of tackle it. Not deep on this one. Right. It, it's mostly a flashback. Uh, well, not a flashback. It's a. It goes back to the start of Ant's story. We see her as a child. Uh, her scientist's dad. I under I believe we're seeing it from like her quote unquote real point of view, whereas the the uh, gully issues were more abstract. Uh, if I remember correctly, the uh, the ant character is a uh, character in her head. Uh, right. In, in fact, we get a little taste of that uh, in the opening where we see ant fighting the quote unquote Batman villains, as that yeah. is a thing she is drawing. Which, which I gotta say, part of the book. Which I which I gotta say, <laughs> yeah. harsh, Craig. What I liked it. That pinup was the coolest part of the book. I thought. Uh, I gotta it say, was. a child of her age drawing like Eric Larson is impressive. As that's her imagination. You see her real art. Oh, that's true. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> and it stinks. <laughs> I can tell what's going on. I was terrible at limbs for a long time. Still am. Let's <laughs> sure about the, the the name Half Black. It's a little weird. <laughs> It's, yeah, that's that's well. That's, that's a legacy. Na- that's a legacy name from uh, the Paul Dragon era. It right? is. I'm pretty no. No, it's half man or something. Yeah, oh. he was half man. Okay, my bad. Fake fan. Um, you know what, Hannah? Little art direction here. If you're gonna draw Ant, you gotta give her ass. Sorry, kid. I think we get plenty. <laughs> I can't approve it. Can't approve it. Yeah, I think we talked about this when we talked about issue twelve. I thought there's 
Well, she's in street clothes a lot. And then we get a good butt shot <laughs> right at the end. Um, let me see. Carrie Wolf is a total dickhead, and I love it. You've definitely got someone who Eric's building to just be like a hated presence in Hannah's life. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn, Carrie sucks. Uh, so I yeah. love when I love when she grows up and she's basically wearing the same outfit. <laughs> right, right, dude. You don't wear the same clothes as you did as a child. <laughs> I do. Ball button ups and blue jeans. <laughs> Jim walks around the house in like full pajamas, bunny pajamas. Yeah, Carrie Wolf's a total dickhead. Um, yeah, man. Um, basically, yeah, you got a lot of time jump shit. Uh, it goes straight from Hannah being a kid to Hannah being an adult. And her her epic origin of uh, being injected by a mystery serum by her father. You know, he injects himself with it too. Is the inter- is the really interesting thing? Yeah, I never no, read. He doesn't f- does he? I think. Oh, he does. No, no, you're misinterpreting. Uh, I would say it's a tangent, but not exactly. See, he's tr- he's about to. Oh, see, he's you, you, he's got his sleeve. He rolls his sleeve up. Yeah, but you can I'm see s- the needle coming out of the tube. Yeah, but why he's is he about rolling? to do it to himself? But then right. he got shot, so it's yeah. too late for him. Oh, dude, there you go. Because if he would have done it, he could have used it to protect his daughter. Got it. I'm, sim- I'm, a, I'm a simpleton. This is why we had to talk about it, so, so to point out Raven's mistakes. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I just, you know, there's blood in the gutters on this sequence is all. But you're you're 100% right. He's about to administer it to himself, but then he gets shot before he can. I interpreted it as he gave himself a little squirt squirt, and then he turned around and gave her a shot. Nope. I'm a dumbass. That makes... I wondered why... I actually wondered why he died. I was like, didn't he give himself the shot too? That's... You're good, dude. You're good. And then, of course, we see her... um, Anemic? Anemic. uh, uh, Memory loss and being... uh, Not sure what you... Amnesiac. Amnesiac. (laughs) Did you just say amnesic? Yes. (laughs) Amnesiac. Uh, getting recruited by his Apollo Steel America <laughs> business uh, soldier man. Yeah, he's awesome, dude. <laughs> Just this big giant fucking weirdo. We Which didn't. It, we didn't mention she did save her dad, even though he shot. She pulled. Well, him we know. We, well, we know he's alive because he shows up right. in issue twelve. Uh, well, yeah, but she's. It's like she kills the special agent. The special agent. Like, but like her first manifestation of her powers is that she kills her power, uh, special agent. You see a lot of like, you know, Hannah's got some issues here. She doesn't remember things. You know, she says something happened, something bad. I don't quite remember. I got to be honest with you, fellas. Uh, I don't love it. Well, it's got it. It, it kind of has to exist in order to explain the parallel storytelling. Correct, but because this still is the quote true history. Right. I, I'm still just saying, though, that like if I had my rathers, I would have probably rathered that Ant started clean and not, yeah. not bother itself with that too much. And instead, we very much have a Hannah 
that is in insane asylums and can't remember things and it's kind of I was kind of hoping that that wouldn't maybe be the case hope she gets better is all I'm saying <laughs> well I think the reasoning is she got hit by a car and that started giving her memory issues maybe maybe not she does get hit by a car though <laughs> At any rate, let's get to why we're here. <laughs> the real meat and potato. That was, a, as an appetizer, that was a wacky appetizer. <laughs> so I remember when I first saw this cover for issue two and I had concerns, uh, as it seemed like a very throwback to the War on Terror and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of jingoistic, that sort of thing. Well, now it makes sense because she's been recruited and manipulated into be- doing this. Eric addressed this on Twitter in depth. Somebody said they didn't like that. They said they didn't like this imagery that, uh, you know, they thought it was a vilification. Uh, and granted, you know, Eric copped to that. He was like, yeah, you know, I get it. He's like, I totally get that. He's like, but you got to understand. And he actually had a Savage Dragon. It was so weirdly convenient. He had a Savage Dragon dialogue where Malcolm's like fucking talking shit about people that like lump all, you know, uh, overseas folks and it's like terrorists or whatever mm-hmm. and it's just and like he was like here's the thing he's like you just can't have a protected group he's like so yeah you know there will be some terrorists he's like but you know here's this very same there are also people that are not he's like so i have both groups represented he's like so you just can't have safe groups he's like you have to write things and i remember kirkman kind of was taking some heat for that too people were like kirkman you kill minorities he's like no i kill all kinds of people like all kinds of people die. He's like, I just don't have safe groups. So I think he kind of addressed it pretty good. And this so is my, all addressed just, in the original. Just series. real quick, I just wanted to say my interpretation of events is that she was manipulated. There were no captives. She was just sent in to kill people. Pretty much. Which to me, if you read, if, if you read the original series, she is part of a team that. You know, again, she's a tool of the government. Right, but you can't take any of that series as as uh, factual because her memories have been tampered with. That's the whole point. Gadget Man says basically, well, we're spoiling the end of this. <laughs> we are we're going way out of sequence. But Gadget Man basically says she's weaponized. Right. You know, she's, That's what I'm saying. She's, she's a bioweapon, more or less. But what I'm saying is it implies to me that the uh-huh. Middle Eastern people that we see her slaughter are possibly innocent. I don't think so. I don't think that's the way this read. This is the way this read, because she says twice in this book that there were hostages. Right, but she's being manipulated. Her memories are being effed with. That's the point. She was told that. That doesn't mean it's true. Huh. You know, what about the other woman that's with her, though? Handler? Okay. Uh, Her name's... Caliente. I actually, I actually didn't think Eric had the rights to her. I was surprised to see her. He cleared the letters. Page, letters he has, yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, he's got the what rights to the first nine issues worth of characters. Yep. But I don't. I think it's pretty straightforward. I mean, again, I don't know. I'm not. I didn't write this, but I think <laughs> that she's just being weaponized, and this is following up on after 9/11, and she's a tool of the government to fight. Right. Insurgents. But the fact that they don't find captives at the end suggests to me that there were no captives. 
which puts, that, in, which puts into question everything. That's that's such a better interpretation. I thought these are this she, is she these people are self defense. This is self defense. I thought she flipped out and killed the captives too. Well, I mean, oh. it can be read that way, but I choose to read it the other way. Until your Eric interpretation says is your interpretation is better writing. <laughs> mine mine was more of just like a the way I interpret is kind of like a shock value thing, like she just showed up and flipped out and fucking killed everybody. But your interpretation is better writing because it's like oh. There were no captives. I was manipulated. That's good, dude. That's I think I like yours better. Actually, reading the very last page here, Gadget Man does say that her mission was to slay the insurgents uh, that, that they, the U.S. government, had fortified and radicalized. So she's basically cleaning up their mess, the government's mess. It's also, so I they, guess maybe they weren't nice people, but... Well, it's it, playing with the notion where, you know, and America does this, where, like, they set up dictators, you know? Right. So Gadget Man's just having a little bit of a crisis of conscience because he's like, hey, you know, you're in here killing these people, but we fucking put them in there. Ah, that's good. That's good. How old do you think she is at this point? Mm. It's an interesting point because we're jumping around time pretty good. Like, is she a teenager? No. She she refers to this training with this facility. She's like, there's a little. She's like, a, someday well, I'm gonna look back and think this is the happiest years of my life. Right, because he's not. They're not in modern day right now. And Eric has said that I think in the letters pages or somewhere or or on Facebook. Like we're gonna get to modern day eventually. Uh, and don't forget, even like the events of Savage Dragon. I don't know if this is playing real time like Savage Dragon. But he said that Savage it, Dragon not was five be. years ago. But yeah, still, this is still, <laughs> you know, this is still Iraq or whatever. I think it's in that era, right? It's like some Desert Storm era shit. I mean, that's when it came out originally. And not I Desert mean, Storm. But no, not Desert Storm. No, War on Terror. Desert Storm. Right. right. Not, no, it's yeah, War on sorry. Terror. <laughs> you're right. Not Desert Storm. <laughs> what the fuck am I saying? Desert Storm well, too. I think you're right, Raven. I think in the original Ant series, they refer to her fighting in Desert Storm as a kid because it's the time is all wacky there. So there might be something to that, but not. I don't think Eric's writing that at all like this. It is so pathetic that we've had so many like overseas wars and shit that we don't even know what the fuck war this is. It's like uh, no. It's just because for me, it's the timeline. Like right. because when this came out in the early two thousands, you know, ten, fifteen years earlier, Desert Storm made more sense. I get you. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, to sort of do more to like jerk us backwards in time here a little bit and do sort of more than like as we go, blow by blow kind of thing. Um, this interior cover, you know, the secondary cover with the big uh, indomitable ant faces the ant apocalypse. Uh, this is just a fun splash page. I like this with the solid yellow for the background. Yeah, I like the uh, layout. I like the you know approach to the coloring. You know, I just think the knockout 
where it's just solid yellow is good. I think it just really has a kick-ass visual. You're a color theorist. Is yellow and red like opposites? You know what is so funny? I'm a colorist who doesn't use color theory. I see. <laughs> so I would have to Google the color wheel and see if they're opposite. I would uh, I would just invert the colors in Photoshop and double check. I also I believe some of these pages, like the one where the mother comes to visit, are basically redrawn Mario Gully pages from earlier issues. Sure, the earlier series. In, in fact, her uh, shocked, angry face is doesn't look a very Larson. No, I'm I'm definitely pretty sure I've seen the Mario version of that. I don't have the uh, pages up, but for Facebook users, Eric started a gallery for the swipes and homages and stuff that he's That's doing. That's right. From Mario. I forgot. Yep. So if you're interested, uh, listeners, in seeing exactly which pages are like kind of lifted right from the original series, he's he's he has it out there for everybody to see. Um, see how big Steel is next to his little assistant? She's very tiny. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think Steel is just a cool, like, you know, he's just a bald dude, but I think he's just an awesome character. And I also, think the thing... <laughs> I go gotta, re- I have to really appreciate his comment about checking the mitochondria being the powerhouse <laughs> yes. of the cell. I think we all had that science class. <laughs> you really love- have no idea what you're talking about, do you? That's <laughs> <laughs> so good, dude. That's such a good reaction. <laughs> Also, uh, I appreciate that Eric is putting, feels like, more attention into, like, uh, <clears throat> body diversity. Like, uh, you know, the assistant's not the uh, cliche Eric Larson woman. No. It's cool. It's good. I like it. I like the uh, the attention. Yeah, there's a lot of great cartooning on different types of, like, characters. And, like, just normal characters that look very... Now, to be fair, we're not sure which ones might be Mario drawn because, like, like the bully's design is straight out of his. That's true. I do think he redesigned Gadget Man. He did, and we we saw some old pictures of Gadget Man from the original twelve he's issues. Like more handsome, right? <laughs> yeah, he's much more handsome. Uh, the way Eric interpreted him is intentionally more kind of like dweebish. Well, with a name like Gadget Man, you you have to be by law. Right. Did you say Carrie Wolf's uh, design is more Mario? I, yeah, I think I think it's straight copied from the Mario design. <laughs> it's good. It's a good design. <laughs> so, uh, Aunt's uh, mom triggers this like fucking. She hulks out and breaks out of her facility just by the mere mention of Aunt's dad. And, like, what is Aunt's mom kind of, like, talks to fucking Hannah like she's not, uh, like, she's not, like, Aunt? Like, what the hell? I'm a little confused on that. What do you mean? Right, I, I don't get why Aunt's mom is just, maybe is it in this point in time, she doesn't know that she's Aunt? I think she's just drawn the pictures of her fantasy character, right? Or no? No, it. Hannah's I don't just. I don't know if she is. What are you saying? You're not sure it's her his her actual mom. No, well, you're no. saying you don't know. Her mother doesn't know she's aunt. 
Right. Like I th- um, what I yeah. think is that Hannah is just drawing pictures of the ant, and her mom's like, "I wish you were actually the ant because you could. got it." I didn't draw I think, that. I don't connection. know for sure. All right, that makes. I gotta sense. say, I gotta say, me only knowing Ant from tw- from Eric's twelve one and two, that didn't read so clear for me. So let me ask you guys a question because I don't fully understand this. Unless, okay. uh, um, she was drawing pictures of the ant as like a little kid, uh-huh. but she wasn't injected, right, until later. What a wacky coincidence. Although I think so it, may, it may be implied that her father based it off her idea. Yeah, that's how I gathered it. I gathered that she just had the imagination, and you kind of get the suggestion of the DC characters that she was a comic reader. And so she just had it in her mind to, like, you know, like and have superhero visuals. And then I guess, like, she used that M&M thing, inspired her dad. You know, oh, it's like a, just like an M M&M, and M, a thin shell, and then like when she gets ant powers, it's just a combination of she inspired her dad, and this is a character she always had in her mind anyway. Is that how you guys get it? I don't know. I don't. I have no <laughs> idea. My head hurts thinking about it. I gotta I, be honest. This is my only criticism right now with Ant. Is I think that it still has a little bit too much baggage. Where yeah, where it I agree. I, th- I agree I th- with what you said earlier. I wish it would have been tied up in like issue twelve, and almost started fresh. We don't really need to rely on the old series for the new series. I gotta disagree with both of you. Ooh, I don't think it's made better by being a ref uh, by references to previous, but I don't think it's that confusing. I find it pretty straightforward. Like, the only thing that might have confused me is, like, what set her off? Well, the last thing he, she, uh, her mother says is, uh, maybe your father would still be alive. So to me, she's getting triggered by uh, the guilt. And that's really all there is to it. Well, i got to be honest, man. I'm not confused. I mean, this is this is all clear. The narrative is clear. Like, we're moving through, you know... I think I, you're totally. I think you're both thinking too hard about things that are. Um, I'm, the little details are what's getting me. So, right. like I'm saying, the broad strokes I've got, but like when Hannah's mom's like, I, sometimes I wish you were Aunt. It's like I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So she knows about Aunt, but she doesn't know that Hannah is Aunt. Right? Why and was then, she? Well, it's because of the she's time been in thing. an insane asylum. In fact, I'm pretty sure her mom's just thinks she's in the crazy house after her father died. I'm just gonna say it. it's because I read fucking issue twelve, and she's like hugging her mom and shit. Like it's like I'm just it, issue twelve kind of fucked with my mind is all. Well, remember that takes place in the future. I don't. I, I'm saying it messed with me. <laughs> so I, I guess my question though is why does she reference the ant in the first place? Is ant someone that's in the news, or is it because no, that's she's all talking Anna about does the drawings. Draw the, the drawings she so, made as a child, the fantasy world that she made for herself. Her mom wants her to wishes she, you know, could be the superhero of her of her fantasies, not gotcha, knowing so, not right. knowing that she's already has the potential. Right. I I get that now that you've explained it. I'm saying that I felt that perhaps, you know, that's not going to be necessarily clear for everyone. Yeah, for (laughs) me, it was not. Is it like that dominated her childhood drawing this ant? 
I mean, it's not Raven, clear. How, it's how many years did you a, draw? How many years did you draw your Raven's Dojo characters? How long did Eric draw Savage Dragon? I get well, it. I get it, but get it's it. not clear that she's to me that she's obsessed with the character, or if it was just kind of like a one-off thing that was just strange that she. I think like, I don't understand it. the a, tie of. It's like a little for me. It's a little stretch that like the aunt kind of looks like her drawing. You know what it's, I mean? It's like, a pacing. There's something I, more to that, or I tell you what it is. It's a pacing issue because he's moving along so quick. Because here's the thing: is we see Hannah draw Aunt as a kid, right? Yeah. And and for people who have heard or read interviews, you know that oh, Aunt is a character that Hannah drew as a kid. However, I don't have. I'm not taking that. I'm taking what's on the page. Yeah, I guess in the regular Aunt series, in, you see in the her regular drawing series, Aunt as a character. They, you see her drawing Aunt as a kid, but a lot of people abandon. You don't know if she's like obsessed with the character. In or fact, I'll bet, her her, I'll bet you anything. Her her father talks about it in issue one, because again, that's where he got the inspiration from. Yes, but she's still a kid in that scene. Yeah. Well, how many people draw as a kid and then quit forever? Well, yeah, the fact draw that her, for like four the months. The fact that her mother it. mentioned it suggests to me, on its own. That it was either an ongoing thing or it was enough of a big enough thing to be memorable. I feel like that's asking perhaps a bit much. <laughs> I think the original series probably fleshed that out more, that she yes. was obsessed with it. I, I would say probably if you were reading the original series, it wouldn't be so strange to you. You'd be like, oh yeah, you know, she drew Ant all the time. Here in these, in the first see, issue, it's even the father is like, "Who's that?" So he's like seeing it for the first time. So it's not established that she's like. Well, let's go back to the first page real quick. You realize this is a fantasy, right? That she's having in her padded cell. Her kicking the guards. Yeah. This no, is this is flash this, forward. This is the imprinted mission that they've been manipulating her with. This is in her head. She talks about it in the dialogue in her in in the cell. Then later she goes and does it for real. Holy smoke. That is a good take. Eh. I guess you're right. Yeah. That's a... It's a subtle, but... She's she's narrating. Like she's a comic book. Well, to me, I took it as that was a previous mission, and now she's back. I thought it was a previous mission. This is the imprint that they've been manipulating her with. She's being mentally manipulated. That I I interpreted how Craig did, though. Like that. To me, it's either. To me, it's either a previous mission or it's the events that happened in this book, and now at the beginning of the book, she's kind of going through what happened. Because if you look at like when she's actually out doing the stuff again it's the same pink boxes so in the beginning she's got she's in her cell her inner dialogue's a pink box she's recapping what happened and then you see what actually happened hmm but I should point out that it appears she repeats some of the stuff she said at the beginning when she's getting airdropped in well, the repeating really helps me buy what you're selling. That, you know, it is just like something that like, it's it's training. Like, it's just in her mind. Like, you know, this is just the thing she goes through. But I got to tell you, Jim, I thought she was just remembering a previous mission, too. 
I thought that like, and then it, we it, see the mission. So to me, she's in her cell now. This is after Gadget Man took her out, brought her back. But that doesn't you, make you, sense you because he's saying, the, "I'm you, setting you free." You think being in the cell takes place at the end of the issue? No, it that's where now she, when I'm reading she, it because he said he's setting her free. Because she's in an insane asylum, or at least a government facility masquerading as one. And because you can see when her mother visits her, she's got bar uh, cage on her window. Right. It, no, I was thinking that it was she's sitting in her cell after the events of what happened because no. they they took her out and now they brought her back. But it's not because he's saying I'm setting you free. Right. He he's turned off whatever the mental manipulation devices. So to me, she's just thinking of previous missions unless I think she's repeating like I think she's it. repeating a mantra that she's been programmed with. So if we step back, we can see that there's some repetition, and it's intentional, I'm sure. But Ant also flashes back to her fucking childhood and other out of. But no, that's events. not a. Fl- that's actually not a flashback. That's another fantasy in her head. She has a dream where she's an adult in school, and nothing's different. She it literally says, "I had a dream." Yeah, I had a dream where I'm back, back in, in school, Brooklyn. So what about the guys when they're like assaulting her in the alley and she that's, kills them all? Yeah, that's real. She ran. She she's fallen back into uh, this this uh, mentality of that she's in school. That's why she got the backpack and the books. And then when the uh, when the attack happens and th- you see the aftermath, that's how you're she gonna. Get, that, that's how she gets taken back into government custody because you see her in her jumpsuit with the with the uh, with the manacles on. I know. I know you're going to say that it's not confusing at all, it but is. can you see how <laughs> I might, with all these jumping arounds and some things are real and some things are fantasy? Can you see how I might be a little confused? <laughs> like I realize it might be tricky, but like the whole premise is that she keeps falling back on these delusions. And these fantasies, the reason she looks young is because in her mind she's young. Because you see her young going around the corner, and then you turn around and you see her all bloody in the alley. I don't love that, though, is what I'm saying. Like, as as a reader, when we talked about Mario's aunt, the thing that was discussed that was problematic is that there was just too much questioning of reality and things jumping around. Like, was aunt... You know, all her imagination, was it whatever. But that's and the whole so, premise is that she's been manipulated so, this whole time. Well, and we're here. seeing both we're seeing we're seeing both sides now, whereas before we didn't see both sides. Well to me, I can't tell in that double page splash where she's in the insane asylum how old is she is. Is she still she a kid there? Looks or like or an adult to me. Like an adult. Looks like so, an adult to me. All of those all of those captions that she's saying, like Jim pointed out, are all repeated in that scene below when she's in Iraq. I believe that scene in Iraq, she's a teenager or young 20-something, and I believe the scene where she's in the insane asylum is years later, and she's thinking through what happened. It can't be because after the alley scene, we see her in jail. She's been taken back into custody and returned to the government. She was younger. She's going through her whole life while she's in the insane asylum right now. See, listen, I'm going to say that. So I'm saying that the insane asylum is current day and everything in this comic book is her thinking through 
different stages her life. of her I, life. I think you guys can, are... Can I say I interpreted it the same way as you? And can I say that I don't feel bad? Because check out this dialogue. You say her getting beat up by Carrie Wolf is like, a, you know, clearly a dream. But she literally says, I had a dream, or at least I thought it was a dream. Right. Hey, she look, can't man. tell the difference. So Eric, she's she doesn't know what's a dream and what's her memories, she and she's sitting in that insane asylum. Exactly. And this whole book is her going through the events that she doesn't know is real or just a dream, and I'm, that's why it's repeated. I'm the, Exactly. I'm telling you that I was on the same page as Craig. But Craig, me and you actually interpreted this the exact same. But I, I'm not saying, Jim, that yours is bad or that it doesn't work. But I'm just saying that I feel like, after talking to you guys, I feel like... Because what's funny is when I read this, I didn't feel confused at all. I was like, man, this is good. I love this. And I was like, hmm. But it's a little weird with all the jumps and, you know, some things are dreams and she doesn't know what's real or even where she is or whatever. And uh, after talking to you, I realized that this is something that is jumbled about. And I feel like it's either A, a problem for you, or B... It's kind of the way it's written. Like, it's a li- meant to be a little bit confusing. Like, like, well, yes, it is. I mean, that's the whole idea. Right. And, 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 and so and, now and, that we've arrived at that, can you see how that might not be great? But there's always dialogue to recontextualize what you just saw. The page right after uh, the alley scene, it says, mm-hmm. the trial didn't go well, the hearing, whatever. I ended up behind bars. Months later, I'm back here, wherever here is, which means this takes place after she escaped the first time. I also no. get that to me, there's she's co- still going through like all of her life to date. That's that's what I'm saying. I and clearly you have so like check it out. I get there's continuity clues. For instance, still loses control of Hannah and his whole division. Like this new leader is over the division and still has no sway. And that's new. So I get that there's huge continuity clues that we're moving forward. But I still feel like Craig may be right. This is also how I interpret it. That although we are moving forward through her life from childhood to adulthood, that she is narrating her life from potentially that cell. (laughs) What makes me think that is because all those dialogue boxes are exactly identical and repeated. And I know what you were saying, Jim, but that's what makes me think that she's going through all this in her head. I think it can be both. I think it's all real, except for the parts that aren't. Well, I think it's all real. I think it's more linear than you guys are taking. I think you guys are struggling with the fact that it's actually more linear than it looks. I think it's linear. Now, check it out. I do understand that it's, like I said, we're moving forward through her life. Yeah. She's even talking about like it started with her as a kid and then it, she talks about like the leaps and times eric mentions this in the letters column um he's like you know he's like yes it's a couple pages he's like but i have a box that says years pass he's like after all uh science entire science programs aren't created and then dismantled in the space of you know weeks or whatever it would take years and so i get that we are moving forward through time and i, I get that the only present day panel is the one that she's in the padded room. Agreed. Me. Agreed. I don't I believe know. that the page after that continues from issue one when she was a kid and got stabbed in the butt. Like this is they're checking through everything. Cause she just got stabbed as a kid. Right. With the needle. 
her mother is there when she's a kid and it's all her sitting in this padded room going through all these points in her life right and i mean there's even the dialogue clues of like her like oh looking back that would be the best days of my life it's like that's a reminiscent she's reminiscing you know what i mean about her days training and then like even when she's jumping from the airplane she's like i trained my whole life for this she says to gadget man so it's like she spent most of her life in that facility like she's telling you that no she's been programmed to believe that to be true she is programmed i I get that she's programmed but i also think her history her confusion through this life is part of a program that she has been implanted with no i just think she's just got a kill switch where she flips out and kills people if they they, they want it's way more complicated than that and or I don't know. We're gonna have to talk to Eric to confirm <laughs> this because I don't understand why this is hard for me to explain, or why this interpretation seems so radical. I don't because think it seemed very straightforward to me. I, this felt straightforward to me before I started talking to you too. <laughs> like I think she's programmed, but I don't think huge chunks of her life are fake. I just think that she, I do believe, I like your interpretation. I think this is the only part where we branch, if I'm honest. I think we're getting more confused talking about this than we actually are. I think that we are all on the same page that this is moving forward. I think we're through her life. I think we're all on the same page that Hannah is clearly alive and looking back at her life from whatever point in the future, right? Like these issues take place in the past i think the only point we really vary on but i guess i take it as it takes place in the present of the past (laughs) what (laughs) this isn't to me i think the implants hannah in the cell is in like 2002 or 2003 oh i get you I, i get you so you're saying all right so that's your point of contention is you're saying that the cell the the crazy cell is not in the, the present. present. It isn't twenty twenty two. It is in the past. Yeah, we haven't gotten to the present. Well, we got to the present in issue twelve. We got to get there first. I just am uh, not a hundred percent sure, but I feel like she is reflecting on the past from the cell because she says, "I would defeat them all," meaning that they are already defeated from this point that she is remembering. Now, I get where you're saying, Jim that she is being programmed. I think that's a super interesting theory that actually I had never considered and I like it, but I also can't say that that's how I first blush read it. When I first blush read it, I read it like how Craig read it. That like, this is well, the I, present present. I, I do think she's got implants and they're screwing with her memory yes. so that it's foggy for her to understand. But I Agreed. do believe that, what's pictured on the pages are things that actually happened. But yes, I don't know. I think the only way to solve this is to continue to read it. Yeah. We'll see where issue three goes, where it picks up. I agree. I I'm, I'm for real legit. Like I'm not feeling confused as I read this. <laughs> I'm just feeling confused as we talk about it, but I'm not feeling confused as I read it. But I think like, like Jim said, it is supposed to be kind of a confusing timeline. We Agreed. are supposed to be a little confused about 
what's present, what's past, what's real, what's not. Because that's the whole point of the character is she's been I agree. with. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, You know what? We've been talking about this whole big thing. I don't feel like we've given like some of the super key moments there do. I think that this issue was more solid uh, than any of the Eric's previous ants. I think it was better than 12. I think it was better than one. If it was me, I would have loved to see this be number one because this is full of awesome kick-ass action. It's got splash pages that are fucking killer. And I think that that, uh, I think that that like kill switch moment where she just flips out and fucking kills everyone, whether you interpret it the way whether you interpret it the way Jim did, where it was like, oh shit, there were never any real captives, or whether you interpret it the way I did, where she flipped out and killed everyone, I think it still lands either way. I think it's like really fucking interesting either way. So I think that this would be a better number one than number one was. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, How do you guys feel just uh, overall? Like, Just give it a rating. I like this issue a lot. I think it's an 8 or a 9. Wow. I think it looks good, and I think what Eric's doing with the story is uh, compelling. More so than I thought it might have been, seeing as it would cover a lot of the same ground as the original series. Cool, so you're more on board with Ant than you Oh, yeah. This issue is uh, very good to me. Cool. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to give it an 8. I do think that it did a lot, uh, a whole lot better than the previous issues did. Um, I just, just to end, I don't mind being a little confused as a reader because guess what? You gain clarity as you get new issues. So it super doesn't matter. I don't give a shit. I actually like reality questioning stuff. And Jim, I enjoyed talking to you because if your interpretation ends up being real, that's cool. I like it. I think that's a very cool interpretation. Um, I'll just end by saying I love the addition of uh, letter art, uh, like art that is like in the letters column. Uh, Ken Albury did that, and it's super cool. I think that's awesome. More people I wish would do art that is just printed in the letters column. And this is a really awesome letters column. It's got some really good letters. I don't think we're really going to get into it, but uh, please, if you're listening, take a moment to read some of these letters. I think that this is... uh, one of the more engaging letters that even, you know, Savage Dragon has even had. So I think this is a cool letters section. I'm glad to see it. Uh, love the back matter. Love the extra unused cover for three. Just to me, this, you know what? Talking about it, with all that extra stuff, I'm going to bump it up to uh, eight and a half. Craig? Uh, I'm still at a six, I think. I don't know what I rated the last one. I am, um, I'm not fully on board with it yet. I, uh, it's interesting. I'm intrigued. If five is average, uh, I'm slightly above average. I, I'm not as hooked yet. I don't think it's horrible. I don't think it's, you know, I think it's enough to keep me interested in going. Uh, I am a little concerned about what the next issues will hold. If it's just kind of a rehash of what already happened, I'll be a little disappointed. Same. Um, but... um yeah, yeah. I would just, uh, I, I just want to kind of keep moving and see where this goes. 
I don't, I don't like pe- when people just kind of judge kind of a series after like two issues and stuff. I believe we got to give it space to grow and um, let it kind of flesh out a little bit. And then I'll, I'll have a better opinion of it. That's fine. I, you know what? I could see where you would have a six, dude, because I get it. I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of the kind of um looser art. Um I enjoy it here and there. I like tighter kind of inks. Mm-hmm. Um so that's part of it. But uh like I said, the story has not fully grabbed me. We'll see though. I'll I'm going to give it time. Fair, fair. Um, that wraps it up. Hey dudes, uh, ant number three is probably already going to be in your hot little hands by the time you get this. But, uh, let me just solicit it for you anyway. The spider and the spawn. It's a groundbreaking spawn ant crossover from a whole new perspective. As ant pursues the deadly king spider. Spawn finds himself drawn into her adventures. Now they'll have to work together to shut down this callous killer and the even darker menace behind him. And there you go. So yeah, uh, that's it for this episode of the Savage Fincast. Um, of course, you can always leave a comment uh, right into our interesting conversations um, or just want to say hi to our, our uh, email at savagefincast at gmail.com or leave us a message on uh, our uh, website, uh, savagefincast.com. And as always, you can find us on iTunes, uh, YouTube, and Spotify, and Anchor FM. So uh, thanks for listening. Thank you, Thank everybody. You.